The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences. Financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome, welcome, fraud talkers, fraud talkers, fraud stalkers, whatever. My, I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Network platform, and I'm uh, very proud to be part of the uh, part of the network. A little bit about me: uh, I've been doing uh, private investigations now for over 30 years, uh, including hundreds of cases involving business crimes. Uh, I started my own firm, Marquet International, uh, in early 2006, and have been running hard ever since. Uh, my interest in fraud stemmed from my experiences over those decades and in just doing cases after cases involving various you know types of business frauds and clients who've been victims and what have you um, and more recently I started a blog um, back in 2008 uh, fr- uh, blogging about fraud it's called fraud talk and you can find it on uh, on blogger fraud talk uh, where you can follow me there but what I've found is that you know uh, <clears throat> fraud is going among you know, in the United States today, it's just staggering. Uh, indeed, you know, fraud around the world, um, cases that I've seen all over the place, uh, it, it's frankly overwhelming. Um, and so my purpose in doing this program is to try to help educate folks and, and you know, open the discussion and try to bring some, shed some light on the, the whole phenomenon of, uh, of white-collar fraud. Um, Remember uh, what I said last week, uh, what, a, what a colleague once told me, at, which was, at any time in any organization, there's always somebody who's up to no good. Uh, so true. And fraud is everywhere, and it's uh, claiming victims as we speak. And, and we're here to try to tamp it down, minimize it, squelch it in any way we can. Um, you know, just, uh, just to give you an idea, uh, this past week we cataloged over... 25 cases uh, of major embezzlements, um, and this when I when I say major major embezzlements, that means cases involving theft by employees or recent former employees of at least one hundred thousand uh, dollars from companies in you know companies organizations in the United States, um, and that those 25 cases accounted for about 17 million dollars in losses to various organizations uh, here in the U.S. You know that's that's just one slice of it. I mean, frankly, I, I I think it's it's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you see what you see above the water really is just just the beginning, and those are the cases that get prosecuted. Those are the cases cases that that find their way in the press. Um, but it doesn't see all of that, all of the nastiness that goes on beneath the surface, where you have cases and you know all the petty stuff that's going on, smaller scale, but on just you know numerous cases that uh, that are going on every day and as we speak um so 
you know, and it, of course, those cases of uh, employee theft and embezzlement, that really that doesn't include any other kind of fraud, Ponzi schemes, investment frauds and kickbacks and, and healthcare fraud, you name it. Uh, it it's frankly just, uh, just devastating. Um, so just as, in a, just as a program note here, the call in line to Fraud Talk is 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790 if you would like to uh, join the discussion uh, uh, today. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook and on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, it's Fraud Talk, uh, hashtag Fraud Talk. So um, uh, follow us there. And of course, uh, the Fraud Talk blog on uh, um, Blogspot. You can find us there as well. Um, you can email me directly, Chris at com. That's C H R I S at M A R Q U E T International, all one word, dot com. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggested fraud of the week. Um, speaking of which, uh, this week's fraud of the week was submitted by fraud talk listener joe from illinois um and by the way so if you've got suggestions for a case that you'd like to highlight you know send it in to me uh and we'll consider it uh, among the the many other cases that we see every week uh but the, this week's uh fraud of the week uh, involves a woman by the name of irene bruni b-r-o-o-n-e-r um of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, she has been indicted uh, and charged with embezzling nearly $3 million over a 10-year period um, from her employer and uh, the bank where she established a credit line for the company. Um, and basically, the company uh, went belly up as a result of her actions, uh, leaving you know 20 uh, employees uh, out of work. Um, but according to the uh, St. Joseph, Missouri uh, press, uh, news press um, just last week, um, this woman, uh, Irene Marie Bruner, uh, she's been charged now with three counts of bank fraud, five counts of wire fraud, and three counts of money laundering. Uh, a local gal from, from uh, Missouri, uh, went to Missouri Western State University, she was a CPA. Uh, a certified public accountant and worked for a company called Galvmet, G-A-L-V-M-E-T, which uh, is a small uh, sheet metal fabrication facility. Uh, and uh, she started working there back in 2001, um, and uh, she was the controller. So uh, as what happens in many of these cases, she started, uh, one of the things she did was she manipulated the payroll um, and essentially was giving herself extra pay you know extra payments uh through the uh uh the automated the ACH uh system and uh, she was also um she had also increased her salary and was giving her extra extra paychecks on top of the additional uh, salary that she stole from the company um and so what she did in order to cover up her her fraud was that she went to the local bank, uh, Missouri Bank and Trust, and took out a loan, uh, ultimately fleecing them for $1.1 million or so uh, that came into the company that now you know can't be recovered, um, in addition to the nearly $1.9 million that she stole directly from Galvmet. Um, 
And this, again, occurred over a 10-year period. So what, what I've said before is that these kinds of cases, they last years. I mean, they go on for years and years. And our analysis showed, you know, on average, these cases over $100,000 in embezzlement cases last, you know, four and a half years on average. So this one, 10 years, a little bit longer, you know, wasn't caught. But, of course, small company. Uh, she was the controller. She probably had all uh, aspects of control over the uh, over the finances and therefore uh, you know she was able to go do you know whatever she wanted in terms of how she took from them the company and was able to cover it up um, so what did this woman do with uh, the, the money she stole uh, and again in typical fashion sadly you know she went out and she uh, supported a lifestyle frankly that was well beyond what she and her uh, carpenter husband um, uh, really really could afford and really could uh, could live by um, so essentially you know she went out and she uh, she spent money willy-nilly and you know for jewelry she paid off her mortgage she you know she bought you know a luxury vehicle um, she built a bar down in her basement which in, um, included you know four or five tap lines three flat screen TVs a smoke machine at the entrance you know as people came in and it was outfitted with mannequins uh, who were uniformed and authentic you know US and German uniforms and weaponry from from the World War II era you know a Thompson submachine gun multiple M1 Garands and with bayonets attached and you know the the whole nine yards uh her husband of course once she you know once the FBI raided her house and and <laughs> and arrested her her husband claimed oh you know well uh <clears throat> i didn't know that you know i didn't know that she was stealing from the company i had nothing to do with this uh you know how typical is that Frankly, you know, it's it's hard to believe, uh, but this happens. Uh, you know, uh, and, and again, the interesting thing here is, you know, there's a woman who's in the uh, finance department or finance position at a small privately held company. Uh, it fits, frankly, it fits the uh, the profile of what we developed for your typical um, embezzler uh, to a T. Uh, female, uh, often, in, in, interestingly enough, um, our statistics showed that about two-thirds of these major cases involve women in finance positions. So it's, again, typical, but she's gone off and, you know, spent the money. Um, she also reportedly went off and uh, and uh, had a jolly time on some 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 vacations and, and, and uh, luxury travel, that kind of thing. Um and uh you know it's uh it's sad but uh the company uh you know went belly up and here you had uh 20 odd employees who uh who lose their jobs the the owners of the company you know devastation uh and uh you know you have uh you have people out of work uh so somebody who really could care less about anybody but themselves and and again what 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 we see are um situations like this where the people the perpetrators you know they they come they, i think they come to believe that whatever they're doing whatever scheme they're involved in they come to believe that you know this is that's not wrong that it's uh that that they're entitled to the money they're entitled to this lifestyle and um 
and that it just uh, you know it just belongs to them that 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 you know until the the boom comes down on them uh they just uh you know they they get away with it they get away with it they get away with it and the boom finally comes down and uh and thankfully in in, in good fashion uh prosecutors uh, are brought in uh, the authorities are brought in um the case is investigated uh case is developed and it is brought to trial. Uh, so that um, that segues into um, what uh, our guest this week um, that we're going to have on uh, coming on to the next segment. Our guest is a fellow named uh, Kurt Benkley. And Kurt is a career prosecutor, um, somebody I've known for many, many years, prosecuted many, many white-collar uh, crime cases. And... Um, and somebody who's who has a terrific uh, uh, record of uh, of uh, convictions, um, he's going to tell us a bit about uh, his experiences and some of the prosecutions of cases that uh, that he's been involved in uh, in recent years. And uh, he'll tell us, you know, what what he sees, some of the trends that he's seen, and uh, perhaps uh, hopefully give us some advice on what he, you know, what he thinks uh, private organizations uh, should do to help. Uh, pre- protect themselves, prevent, you know, you know, perhaps prevent this thing from happening uh, and or, you know, how to relate to law enforcement. I mean, one of the questions that I get a lot is, you know, Chris, you know, thank you for uh, helping us develop a proof of loss in the case like this. You know, how do we, you know, how do we deal with law enforcement and are they going to be interested in the, in this case? Uh, you know, it's only, you know, it's only whatever, X dollars. Uh, I'm not sure the FBI is going to be interested. So um, those are the kinds of questions hopefully uh, Kurt can shed some light um and uh we're we're lucky to have him on we'll we'll bring him on at the next segment so i will say it for now um we'll take a break and we'll come back in a couple of minutes and we'll have kurt on the line thank you We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. 
Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Welcome back. Welcome back, Fraud Talkers. Uh, today, as I mentioned, we have a special guest, uh, Milwaukee County Assistant District Attorney Kurt Benkley. And um, amazingly, Kurt and I have known each other since the late 1970s when we, uh, we were at Dartmouth together. Uh, it's going back some time. Um, but uh, a little bit about Kurt's background. Uh, he's currently the ADA and, and the head of the White Collar Crime Unit of the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office. Uh, he's also cross-designated as a Special Assistant United States Attorney with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Wisconsin. Um, he's a career prosecutor, uh, got his uh, undergraduate degree at Dartmouth in 1983 and got his law degree, his JD from Northeastern in 1987. Uh, Kurt... Uh, Spent five years in the military uh, as a prosecutor in their uh, in the United States Navy as a Judge Advocate General Corps, a JAG, uh, and then he joined the uh, the Milwaukee County Dis- District Attorney's Office in 1993, and uh, ever since he's been been uh, prosecuting cases and for the last 15 or more years now uh, part of the white collar crime uh, prosecutorial uh, unit uh, handling all kinds of cases from financial crime, public integrity, uh, embezzlement, mortgage fraud, arson, bribery, you name it, tax fraud, uh, numerous high profile cases including the 2005 conviction of Wisconsin State Majority Leader Charles Shafala uh, for public corruption and the 2008 federal conviction of Milwaukee crime boss Michael Locke. Kurt, welcome. Well, hello, Chris. Thanks very much for having you on your program. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. And uh, it's uh, it's been a long time. So uh, you, you know, you have prosecuted hundreds and hundreds of white collar cases over the years and and you've uh, um, uh, racked up just an outstanding conviction record. Um, what what are you seeing any trends, let's say any trends in the kinds of white collar crimes, uh, you know, whether it's trends with the perpetrators, the victim organizations or types of crimes? What, what are you seeing these days? Well, I, you know, I have been at this for more than 15 years. I've been working in the white collar crime unit and we focus exclusively on financial crimes and uh, public corruption cases. 
So I've seen uh, really everything uh, over the past decade or more. And it's sort of uh, a situation of the more things change, the more they stay the same. And what I mean by that is maybe an example. Um, During the economic boom times pre-2007, mortgage fraud was epidemic. And we saw, I saw just a, a rash of property flipping cases. And uh, after the housing market collapse, mortgage fraud didn't go away. It just morphed into other forms of victimizing uh, lenders, such as short sale fraud. Um, and similarly, embezzlement um, has always and continues to be a parasite on business. And, uh, but I see the same schemes over and over, phony invoicing, uh, simple alterations of check payees. But really, I think during these uh, econo- economic lean times, there's been an increase in embezzlement. I- I'm not sure I can explain it, but I think there's definitely is a correlation between uh, the recession and increased embezzlement. So, you know, uh, just on, on that point, Kurt, I mean, sure. that's a very interesting point. And I've been asked that before, too, and not exactly sure what the answer is. I mean, clearly, uh, I like to say there's always an ambient level of fraud going on out there. And then when, you know, when times are good, it's, you know, these frauds are kind of under the surface and they're, they're hard to detect or they don't get detected. And they, you know, everyone's fat and happy and things are going along swimmingly. Um, but then, boom, you know, the economy tanks a bit. And then, you know, sort of all the, the jagged rocks uh, start surfacing when the, the river starts to run dry. Um, I mean, is that, is that one, you know, one reason why we see more of these kinds of cases now and sort of in more lean times, do you think? I, I think you're right. I think when there are business failures, businesses look at what happened, and it is only then perhaps that the embezzlement surfaces. So it may not be that there's more embezzlement now. It may simply be that uh, we become aware of it because economic uh, lean times have forced the issue and, and uh, rendered these types of schemes apparent. Yeah, I mean, I see, um, you know, I can see how some people would start stealing. You know, in lean times, they say, oh, my goodness, you know, I've got to put the kid through college or I've got divorced and I've got to pay the bills. And they start stealing on a small scale. And then it sort of morphs and becomes, you know, more and more, larger, larger, more schemes until it's sort of un- uncontrollable. Uh, and, and also to the point where it's not about, you know, paying the bills. It's about, you know, maintaining a lifestyle. Uh, is that kind of what, the, what you see? Well, I, I certainly think that there are some embezzlers that uh, initiate their schemes based upon economic need. But the reality is I, I, I really think that there's a bigger link to simply uh, dishonesty and, uh, and, and such things as gambling. I, I'm not sure that it's economic need that drives these types of schemes. It's simply opportunity and uh, a lack of integrity. Well, you, so you mentioned a very interesting point there, gambling. Uh, and in our annual reports on embezzlement, we've, sort of, we've, we've, we've established a link between uh, gambling and embezzlement, employee theft, where people get hooked on gambling, they start stealing from the company, uh, it gets out of hand, ultimately it, it, it falls apart. But, e- but even so, the, the, the schemes could last years. Um, tell, I know you've had a few cases like this. Describe, describe one, a recent one, perhaps, that involved uh, gambling and what, what you see. Sure. Well, let me first say that I agree with you wholeheartedly, the, the sort of overall context of embezzlement. I have to estimate, in my experience, that more than half 
easily more than half of the embezzlement cases that I've prosecuted have been linked to gambling. Wow, uh, that's at a least huge easily. percentage. It's a huge percentage, and it's interesting. I, you know, one based upon that experience, when I have a case brought to me that involves embezzlement, one of the very first things I do is I contact the local tribal casino and contact their security department, and I subpoena their gambling records for my suspect. And you know, one time out of two, two times out of three, I will see records of habitual uh, gambling by these suspects. You know, day after day after day after they get out of work, off to the uh, tribal casino, and they're blowing the proceeds of their embezzlement scheme at the casino. And I think they get the sense uh, that, you know, easy come, easy go. It's almost like monopoly money. They take the, the business's money, they take it down to the casino, they gamble it, they lose it, and it's, it's a game to them. And so often I see uh, this pattern uh, underlying um, gambling. And I'm happy to talk to you about one of the more recent cases that I had um, uh, that involved in excess of $2 million, every penny of which was put into the slot machines here at the uh, local uh, tribal casino. Wow. We, so you, yeah, we have three minutes uh, before break. So why don't you begin to describe that? We can continue on in the next, sec- uh, the next uh, segment. But uh, go ahead and t- let's hear about that case. Uh, sure. Well, uh, I prosecuted this case perhaps three years ago. It was an attorney. Um, he represented a national corporation that represented insurers and asserted their subrogation rights. So there's a car crash. Um, the insured party, uh, the insurer pays the medical cost. Let's say a hundred grand. The insurer wants to recoup those payments from the at-fault driver, the other party that crashed into their insurer. So they would hire through this national corporation, this local attorney, to assert their subrogation rights. And uh, this attorney would basically piggyback on a personal liability suit that had already been filed by the injured party against the at-fault party. And he would recoup or settle these cases, put the money into a trust account, and was supposed to forward the monies to the client. Uh, But in more than 260 cases, totaling roughly $2.4 million, 10 a.m., he'd leave his office, head right down to the casino, and put every penny into the slot machines. It, it astounded so, me. It absolutely so he would, so, so the monies would come in, right? Uh, and rather than uh, forward the monies to the the, the client, uh, he would basically just go down and, and gamble it. Was this like in an IOLTA account or that so that kind of a? Yes, it was uh, in a in a client trust account, an IOLTA account, and it would go as quick as it would go in, it'd go out the door again, and. Uh, it was just astounding. He'd, he'd work uh, for two or three hours in the morning and then leave the office and uh, spend the whole day at the casino and then leave at 5.35 to pick up his kids. And so, the family knew nothing of it. Wow. So, so, Kurt, I mean, the, and the, at a case like that where you have clearly the guy had an addiction to gambling, uh, if you want to call it that. I mean, some people have less uh, – 
sympathy for that than others. But um, is that, you know, when they go through and, and you go through the case, you prosecute it, and ultimately, they, I mean, they, they usually plea out, I assume, uh, and there's a sentencing. I mean, does that come into play? Does that, you know, does the judge look at that and say, hey, okay, he's got a problem. He's got to go get counseling for gambling, uh, you know, he's got to do gamblers anonymous or whatever. And does he get less time? Or, you know, what happens there? We, got, well, we have about uh, 45 seconds. Well, that's where the role of the advocate comes in. Of course, as a defense attorney that wants to spin this as this is a compulsion and addiction, he, this defendant, my client, really couldn't control himself um, and get out the hanky and try to get everybody in the uh, courtroom to cry. Whereas <laughs> I, as an advocate, say, you know, nonsense. This is not a matter of economic need. This is a choice he's made to victimize his employer, and uh, I try to spin it the other way. And, of course, it depends on the, the, the judge. Um, surprisingly, white-collar criminals do not get uh, as lengthy a prison sentence as uh, the public probably would expect, and I would demand. Um, certainly, this guy went to prison. Uh, I think it was a three-year sentence, but it's $2.4 million. You would expect uh, a bigger yeah. Work. All right. Well, I want to continue this conversation. This is fascinating stuff, uh, Kurt. Thank you. We're going to go to break now. We're going to come back with Kurt Bankley, uh, Assistant DA for Milwaukee County, and we'll talk to you all soon. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Okay, we are back. Uh, we are talking to Kurt Benkley, who is the Assistant District Attorney for Milwaukee County, a uh, career prosecutor who uh, has prosecuted hundreds of white-collar fraud cases and racked up an impressive uh, conviction rate. And we were just talking about, in the prior segment, about um, how he, Kurt has been seeing just a rash of, of these uh, embezzlement cases, uh, and many of which uh, are involved, you know, a gambling uh, a gambling uh, addiction or a gambling situation where employees take money from their employer, go off to the casino, and gamble. Uh, and frankly, it, Kurt, I, I, my study sh- kind of showed a, an increased propensity where you have those states and those jurisdictions where y- you have actual casinos and gaming uh, facilities that there is a higher rate of embezzlement in those localities than otherwise. So I think that supports your your theory, at least your anecdotal experience, that uh, that there's a connection between gambling and and employee theft. Um, you well, agree that with that? Surprise me, Chris, and and uh, certainly we have. Uh, tribal gaming in Wisconsin, and it makes uh, presents an opportunity to those people that are uh, uh, susceptible to that, uh, that type of uh, temptation, and, and, and uh, uh, so it doesn't surprise me what your studies have found. But, uh, you know, what I've seen also is where people, you know, they start stealing for other reasons, where they start stealing and they just padding, you know, they're, going, they're traveling, and then they get into gambling. Uh, so that the gambling actually become is sort of part of the whole thing. They get into philanthropy for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, there was a case in Wisconsin which you're familiar with, the Susak Deva case, Koss uh, Corporation, K O S S, which uh, publicly traded entity makes headphones. Um, uh, local there in Milwaukee and, and Wisconsin, uh, where this woman was the CFO of the publicly traded company, and she manages over a twenty-odd year period to embezzle thirty-five million dollars from the company. I mean, thankfully, she was it was found out, you know, by accident, as as often happens, and uh, it was investigated prosecuted by the feds, which I know you didn't handle this case because you're on the state level, but the feds prosecuted and she's now currently serving some time. Um, so 
I you mean, know, that's, it's kind of interesting. You're, we were talking about motivations for gambling, and, and you and I had identified gambling. Um, this cost case, it wasn't a matter of economic need. This woman, uh, I'm somewhat familiar with the case, and, and I, I know the, uh, the FBI agent who did the, led the investigation and have, have talked with him about the matter. Uh, she, was, she was a wealthy woman. She was married to a doctor. She had no need to embezzle. Uh, she was already uh, living a, a very uh, wealthy lifestyle. And my sense was that it was her walking into these high-end boutiques, buying you know, tens of thousands of dollars of expensive gowns and, and shoes, and being treated like a princess. And it was it was it was that sort of um, uh, coddling that uh, she, she she enjoyed and and was a motivating factor in her embezzlement. Yeah, so it's kind of like she comes to believe that this lifestyle, this actually extraordinary, luxurious, lavish lifestyle that she uh, you know came to enjoy was really something that was you know you know that she's she's owed to her that, that this is something that she you know deserves and then she continues you know that when they finally arrested her i guess you know she had like a rack of you know fancy clothes and furs in there in her office and her they you know she actually had uh, her uh, subordinate who she had used and had uh, to help cover up the frauds for years every time the auditors came in to uh, to take a look at the books and records you know her she she got her subordinate to cooperate to try to uh, rig the numbers to to make things work out uh, basically you know the wool over the owner's eyes uh, and of course completely abusing the trust of her employer um, so that which brings me to a point so I mean what what do you think organizations you know should do to uh, you know to protect themselves from this kind of this kind of uh, uh, fraud well um, of course, we have cases like costs where we have a uh, publicly traded large corporation that's the victim of embezzlement. But I'm sure, as you've found, the vast majority of, uh, of embezzlement is of the, uh, the closely hold, held family business, smaller business, where right. a single individual has been right. trusted with all aspects of the finances, and you don't have a, any sort of checks and balances. I mean, that's a cl- classic problem, and it's a matter of economic. A, a company can't afford to have uh, multiple people um, handling uh, a division of tasks. You know, and if that's the reality, you have set yourself up for um, potential for embezzlement. I mean, something very so simple as the person that writes the checks should not be the person that's getting the bank statements back with the canceled checks. Because, you know, there's all sorts of funny business happens between those two functions. Um, The other thing is that it's interesting that oftentimes it is the most trusted and valued employee that embezzles. The, The employer will say, well... Sally or Joe, uh, they were great. They never took a single day off from work. They never took a day's vacation. That is immediately a huge red flag. They don't take a vacation because they don't want someone else stepping into their shoes in their absence who starts looking at their work and saying, this smells bad. What on earth is this person doing? Exactly. So there's a lot of red flags, and there's a lot of um, vulnerabilities um, that particularly smaller businesses um, um, have, and uh, uh, small businesses can bleed hundreds of thousands of dollars, too. 
Yeah, I agree totally, Kurt. I mean, what I what I've seen in the studies we've done and is you have, you know, the the organizations at most risk are are those smaller family-run shops, uh, maybe uh, nonprofits, religious organizations that, you know, th- th- you know, they're relying on on volunteers for crying out loud yeah. to handle the books and records and you know, you get one, you know, you get the wolf in in with the sheep. Uh, the wolf, basically, you know, who's got all aspects of control over the finances of a church, let's say, uh, or a nonprofit organization, basically can do whatever the the heck they want. Uh, I know you were involved. You had a case recently, which is just sickening, frankly, uh, involving the, uh, the the Purple Hearts uh, organization. T- tell us, tell us about that case. Well, sure, and I think that case clearly falls into this pattern of of charities. Um, nonprofits being particularly vulnerable to uh, embezzlement, employee theft. Um, I think it's partly because um, there's a culture of uh, trust. I mean, these are pro-social organizations where everybody wants to do good, and so I think there's an increased level of trust um, among the fellow employees that right. makes them vulnerable, and. Uh, I also think that there's a lot of volunteers, particularly churches. Churches, we see lots of significant embezzlements from churches, and we have volunteers uh, handling the finances. And, uh, uh, you know, who's going to uh, press a volunteer um, for accountability? Well, they they just won't, uh, won't continue in the job. But the case uh, you and I, I think we talked about last week in preparation for uh, today's uh, chat, um, this guy by the name of Kavanaugh, and he was the uh, treasurer, finance officer of the local um, chapter of the Military Order of the Purple Heart. And uh, they had a number of income streams, um, charitable donations from uh, important uh, funds, they, uh, a lot of donations, uh, the, the, the red poppies you see sold at grocery store entrances uh, around Memorial Day, they, they yeah. have a uh, you know, surprisingly large flow of funds. Uh, this guy had control of the checkbook, and uh, he, there was a particularly large donation designated for the orphans of service members that were killed in action in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. And he wrote checks to cash, and in the records, um, phonied up um, the records to make it appear like he was making payments to the the families of these uh, deceased service members. When in fact the money was going in his pocket, he was uh, he had an alcohol problem, and uh, you know tens and tens of thousands of dollars um, that was earmarked for these orf- war orphans, and in another instance, uh, monies that was uh, designated for uh, the national paralyzed veterans wheelchair games that were held in Milwaukee several. Oh my ago. goodness! Uh, you know, it 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 really it, it's it, sickening, Kurt. It, I mean, that is, I mean, you know what, you people out there, you fraudsters, you know, prosecutors like Kurt are going to get you eventually. I mean, this is the reality. The good news here, I think, Kurt, is that you know, whereas years ago. Uh, in the old days, you know, a lot of organizations would be loath to sort of bring a case to law enforcement or the authorities uh, because basically it's, you know, it's publicity that's not 
all that positive. Uh, it's it's you know might reflect negatively on their you know their reputation or their brand or what ha- whatever. I mean they they were they were loath to do that. But I think what I've seen at least is that increasingly so you have um, you know victims coming forward and uh, and having actually prosecuting some of these folks, which for, to me is is a critical thing. And I, I want to talk to you more about this, Kurt. When we we're going to come back, we're going to we need to take a break shortly. But I want to talk to you particularly about um, that aspect of us. You know how 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 do how should an organization come to the authorities, or when should they come to the authorities? I mean, when are they going to be interested? I mean, should it be the feds or the state? What you know, your at least your impression of of how how that should work? Because for me, it's really important. If if we don't uh, create a public record there that some you know former CFO basically embezzled, stole, fleeced, destroyed an organization uh, because of their fraud, um, you know, and they just got kicked down the you know, kicked the can down the road to the next organization. That next organization is going to be at risk. No, a- absolutely. You know, it, it's analogous to a sexual assault. A woman or man uh, doesn't want to come forward to the authorities uh, for understandable reasons, but it is. It is enabling the perpetrator to go out and continue their their criminal activity, whatever form it might be. So it's critically important for private industry to feel comfortable contacting law enforcement authorities. And I know that what comes across my desk is just a, a the tip of the iceberg. There are so many other uh, embezzlement cases where the the victim just lumps it, and the 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 perpetrator is uh, never held accountable, and then takes a position. At some other uh, unwitting uh, victim, and and the cycle uh, continues. Well, um, so that's yeah. Let's uh, we're going to have to take a break, uh, Kurt, and we'll come back to our final segment. And just to remind everybody, eight six six four seven two. 5790. Call if you're interested to join the, the chat or if you've got a, a question for Kurt. Uh, this has been a terrific uh, discussion. I appreciate it. And we'll, we'll be right back. Thank you. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you and your business well-prepared? For what, you may ask? Well, what about workplace violence, cyber attacks, or general business disasters? Listen for Fear is Negotiable, Business Survival Skills 101 with your host, Pamela Hill. We'll bring you case studies of the businesses that don't prepare and the consequences that can happen. We'll also bring you best practice strategies that can help you keep your business running smoothly. Tune in to Fear is Negotiable, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. 
Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And we are back uh, with our special guest, Kurt Bankley, Assistant District Attorney for Milwaukee County and uh, uh, part of the White Collar Crime Prosecuting uh, Group there. Uh, if you would like to chat with us or have a question for Kurt or myself, 866 866- 472-5790 uh, is the call-in number, and uh, we'd uh, be happy to have you join us. Um, we were talking to uh, to Kurt about you know some of his prosecutorial experience and and the the top the issue of you know when you know how does an organization they su- suspect there's a fraud going on you know at what point and how do they work with uh, with law enforcement to to get you know the right law law enforcement what have you how do they bring them in and 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 how does that work? Because I know that you know, um, you know, if, if an organization wants to investigate it, they want to have some control over the the, the case. And and but once the law enforcement comes in, you know, that they want to you know find the, the fraud, they want to prove it and convict it and send the person to jail. So there's a little bit of competing, slightly competing interests. Uh, the organization typically wants to get some sort of restitution and recovery of funds that may have been defrauded from them, uh, whereas the prosecutors want to put them in jail. Uh, Kurt, uh, welcome back. Hello, hello. So on that topic, or what, what, I mean, how does... How does a private org and when is a private organization, if they suspect fraud is going on or an embezzlement of some kind, you know, how do they liaise with you? And, and what, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, many times um, insurers force the issue. Um, if a victim of embezzlement has a dishonest employee policy, the insurer, of course, will require the victim 
um, to contact law enforcement. Um, so that, before, and that's that's uh, no. Let me just uh, that's known as a fidelity insurance policy, which is. Uh, for employee theft, correct? Exactly. And oftentimes that forces the issue and, and the cases come to uh, law enforcement and come to my desk um, in that fashion. Um, other times it's simply a referral. And uh, let's say a victim has uh, uncovered an employee theft um, problem. Um, do I go to the feds? Do I go to the state? Well, 90% of these cases are prosecuted through uh, local um, local state authorities. Uh, you know, the cost case where it's $20, $30 million of embezzlement losses, of course, the feds uh, want to take those high-profile cases. They really have the ability to prosecute anything um, under their wire. Uh, so you got the wire fraud or you got the mail fraud. Mail fraud. No matter yeah. any sort of financial crime is going to have something happening on a computer, through the mail, on the telephone, somewhere um, so that they do have jurisdiction, but typically they but, have... And you, uh, you also have those kind of statutes on the state level. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So the, 90% of the time, these cases should come to local law enforcement. I would encourage um, private industry to contact the local prosecutor's office. Now, it's kind of so like law t- and order. You know, there's, there's part one and part two. The part one is the, the coppers uh, investigating and part two, the, the, the prosecutor's prosecuting. But nevertheless, your first contact really should be to the DA's office. So you don't can- call the police. You call the DA and say, hey, we suspect this situation in our company. Yeah. We're looking at it. We're gonna. We're gonna. We've got our accountants you know, that we brought in that are gonna try to document and see what, you know, if there's truth to this allegation. And we'd like to bring it to you uh, if, in fact, that's true and correct. Absolutely. And and the reason I say that the prosecutor's office should be the first uh, contact, particularly if you're in a larger jurisdiction where they have designated units that are assigned to financial crimes, they'll give you give the victim advice like. Which jurisdiction should I be um, contacting? Which law enforcement agency should I be contacting to investigate this matter? Uh, and uh, and so I, the, that consideration would be like, okay, the victim company is in X county, the victim lives in Y county, uh, the bank is in Z county, where the monies were were transferred to, that kind of thing. Is that is that how absolutely. when you're talking about jurisdictional issues? Absolutely, absolutely, and plus practical matters. I mean, there may be the county sheriff's office, the local municipal police department, multiple um, police agencies that um, in theory have jurisdiction to investigate a particular crime, but the DA may say, you know, the um, this particular municipality has an excellent uh, uh, detective group assigned to white-collar crime. You should contact so-and-so, and you'll get a... Uh, I, I frequently provide a number and a name, call this person, let them know I am on the case, let them know that I am going to work with that that detective directly in terms of uh, seeking search warrants or subpoenas of bank records, that sort of thing. So it's, it's really a team approach. The, the uh, victim, their own internal financial investigation, the police uh, with their tools, and the prosecutor's office uh, working in tandem or in, 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 as a team. Uh, and it's important that this process start sooner rather than later. I know that there may be a uh, a belief that you want to walk into a prosecutor's office with a nice report tied up with a bow and say, 
and have the expectation that the next week the case will be charged. It just doesn't work that way. There may be because a lot you, of- you you basically have to go through the investigation yourself. Absolutely. I mean, I do I do advise clients that look, it's better they're going to be more interested if uh, if it is organized well. You do have, you've collected the evidence that uh, you what you can show is you know some pretty prima facie evidence of of the fraud, uh, and that uh, I mean you're going to have to go through that. And in any case, you know, developing a proof of loss, assuming you have some sort of a fidelity employee theft policy to try to recoup some of the recovery. I mean, can, to talk about uh, we we have a minute left. Uh, talk about uh, you know the restitution order. I mean, usually a restitution order comes in to play. No, it, it does. But frankly, the criminal process is not. Uh the re- really a good forum uh, to recoup losses. C- the court system is obligated to uh, order restitution uh, on behalf of the victim, but we there's they're not the same sort of um, civil process um, available to um, levy on assets like you would in in a civil lawsuit. So, um, you, so you, what you're saying is that a civil suit for restitution should also be filed. Typically, after a person has, after the prosecutor's done his job, convicted the uh, suspect or defendant uh, at trial or through plea, that judgment of conviction is then asserted in a civil uh, case, and it may it expedites that whole process. You know, the, the civil litigant doesn't need to reprove the case. You've got a right. criminal okay. conviction. All right, Kerr, we're going to have to cut it off there. Unfortunately, it's been fascinating. I really appreciate you joining us. And uh, again, it's very important that these cases be prosecuted so that there's a record going forward that this X person is somebody that you cannot hire in any way, shape, or form in a fiduciary role because that's just bringing the wolf uh, into the hen house. Um, So, Kerr, thank you very much. and we will, uh, you know, please join us, folks, uh, next week, next Monday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for the next Fraud Talk uh, edition. Our guest next week will be Jim Ratley, the president of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, the ACFE. And uh, we'll talk about a host of different fraud things. Kurt, thank you very much. My pleasure. Yep. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 